Soccer Cast Chicago. Yes, after a long hiatus, the hiatus from Chicago soccer may not be over yet, but there's soccer being played somewhere in the world this weekend, so damn it, we're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to be helped today by Henry Bushnell from Yahoo Sports. Henry, thanks so much for taking the time. Appreciate you having me on, Alex. I figure if we're in Chicago and talking about soccer, so I think that's close enough. I, I think that counts. I think we basically have it covered even, you know, if... Maybe there's going to be soccer in Orlando, supposedly. Uh, it's not what we're here to talk about today, but MLS, a long way away. NWSL, probably further. So what we're going to do today with the Bundesliga starting back up this weekend is we're just going to kind of talk about how we got here, why this is happening, and then try to bring everyone listening up to speed a bit on the state of things in Germany and what's going to be worth watching over hopefully the next several weeks is... With nine game weeks to go, hopefully they're able to get this whole thing done. But, um, Henry, I know I've been craving something to fill the time I normally devote to soccer in my life. What uh, what have you been up to to fill the soccer watching and soccer writing time? I've actually weirdly just, you know, been busy with, uh, with work. Uh, basically as busy as I always am. And it's a bit different type of work, obviously, because sports aren't going on. Um, but there are still various uh, stories to tell. So um, I've been, I, I honestly, I haven't really gotten into the old game watching. Um, I tried it a bit, but didn't, didn't really um, satisfy my sports craving. So I am, uh, it's, it feels a bit weird to have sports. It, it honestly feels like sports are coming back sooner than I thought they would. Um, so it feels a bit strange. Um, and I don't know, there are various, you know, moral dilemmas uh, with them coming back, but I am definitely excited. Um, to have a actual sports league that I care about uh, restarting. Yeah, I think, you know, at least for me, is you know, as people who work in sports, I think we're so geared to when is the stuff coming back that we get paid to work with. And so I think it, it is just kind of this strange reality to have thought, man, I'll be happy if baseball is back by July, but here we are with the Bundesliga coming back in May. You've probably got a little bit better perspective or certainly have thought and wrote more about this than I have, but... Germany is kind of a unique scenario, right? I mean, there's a reason that this is the first place we're seeing anything. Yes, they have certainly handled it better than elsewhere in Western Europe. Um, it's certainly better than in the other, better than Spain, Italy, and England, which are the top three, you know, other top three soccer leagues, and have all been hit pretty hard by this, um, and, and were hit pretty early. And certainly better than than the United States has, um, just from a you know precaution standpoint, from from how they've handled the the whole outbreak. And yes, that is obviously a reason that they are that they're coming back before everybody. And it's part to do with their government's response. It's part to do with uh, with just German German culture. Um, and it's also, but it's but it's also like they are coming back at a point that no other, you know. No other, you know, big country has returned to sports. Like right at, at the time, at the time that South Korea's baseball league came back and some of their sports started to came back, come back, they were their like positive tests per day throughout the country had like gone down into like single digits. I think or, or right, really they were done. Numbers. Yeah, there weren't going to be any positive tests in Korea, and now we're hearing about you know. League officials, not just in the Bundesliga, but we've heard it from Premier League officials. We heard it from various American sports officials that a positive test does not mean everything's going to be shut down, which sounds like, you know, famous last words. But yeah, certainly this is more of a risk than Korean baseball felt like. Right. Yeah. And 
I don't necessarily have an opinion one way or the other on whether that's okay, whether this this idea that positive tests are fine, um, whether that's an acceptable stance to take. Um, I do wonder, though, whether it's like we've already seen, you know, I think, I believe it was, is either three players or two players and a, and a staffer from a second division team, Dynamo Dresden, mm-hmm. tested positive uh, this past week, or maybe it was last week, I forget when it was. Um, and so they've had to quarantine and two of their games have already been further postponed. So it's like, at, at, at what point, like how much of that can you tolerate? And at what point does it become, yes, a safety hazard, but also just like a logistical nightmare um, if you're dealing with a bunch of further postponements. Um, and I, so I'm interested to see if more positive tests emerge, you know, where where the Bundesliga goes with this um, and how much they they decide they can tolerate um but i guess you know we're, we're not to that point yet and we'll, we'll I, i'm assuming the bundesliga is taking the approach of they'll cross that bridge when they come to it right everybody's got a plan until something goes wrong and in this scenario that wrong is probably probably looks like a player testing positive two days after they play a match and to be frank no one's got any idea what happens in that scenario and your point they're probably just gonna cross the bridge when they get there for now though there's going to be soccer. There's going to be some differences. Obviously, you know, the testing's going to be frequent. We're going to hear lots of news about that. Uh, the Bundesliga confirmed today there's going to be five substitutes allowed per team, so that's different because these players, they've only been allowed to train in small groups. These guys haven't played a real soccer game in over two months. Um, What's kind of your thought? I know that I have no idea what we're going to see tomorrow. What are you expecting out of the quality of this? Is this going to look remotely like the second or third best soccer league in the world? I think it is. It's going to look close. I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it, it, it will look, I, I would think it will look somewhat like a, an August game would. Right. Um, in that it's, it's, it's basically, a, I mean, this, this break has, is maybe longer than soccer's off seasons are these days, I think, um, or, or at least just as long. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, I think it'll look, like a like a mid late August game, you know, one of the one of the first few games back. I do like the I like the five subs, by the way. And oh I yeah. Not be, I would not be surprised if that becomes a permanent thing. I would not be surprised at all because one of the one of the long like the medium term offshoots of this is that the fixture calendar is going to be packed over the next two years at least. Yeah, that's um, why so. I was surprised to see them just pick up with the normal game week schedule this weekend. I was kind of assuming we were going to see a games every day, everybody plays every four days sort of thing, but for now, it's like they're just going to make it up? Yeah, well, I think it's going to be a bit compressed. Right. Um, but but maybe, I don't know, Like I and I say that because I saw, I know there are some midweek games, but maybe they already had midweek games planned. Um, right, and there's no and international now, windows to play through, so you'll catch up a few games there, if nothing else. Right, and no, I mean, there's no Champions League yet. Um, right. We'll, we'll, we'll see on that. So, um, yeah, it's not, they Germany certainly doesn't have to compress it as much as I think England and some other leagues will when, when they start later, if they start at all. Right, and yeah, so it's, I think that's a good point, is that, you know, it's going to probably look a little preseason-ish, more subs, less fitness, but again, these guys are still world-class athletes, and it's not like they've been sitting around for two months, but I don't think we're going to know what it's going to look like until we see it. I mean, seeing the Westfallen Stadion empty Saturday morning for 
Dortmund Schalke is gonna be real weird. Um, right, that's the thing. I think it's gonna it's gonna feel different more less so because players might be tired at all more so just because of the whole weird atmosphere around it. Right. I mean, I think you know somebody mentioned today, and I, it's something I'm gonna be paying attention to this weekend is. When you think about the role like commentators have, you're able, especially for TV broadcasts, to, to just let the crowd do so much talking for you, really. And you don't have to, you know, whereas now, you know, it's going to be, whether for commentators, for fans, there's just going to be this dead space that we're not used to. And, you know, maybe after this first weekend, we'll be like, oh, man, that, that was so great. It's so much better than nothing that I'll take it. It's definitely going to, I think when we slowly transition back to normal, we'll really find out, you know, how much that's worth. And I mean, I think we know it's worth a lot, but when this transitions from this weird state to people back in the stands, it's just going to feel, I think so electric at that point. And maybe we'll hopefully appreciate it more, especially in Germany where, you know, the crowds, I mean, it's the, if I correct, I think it's the second best attended sport in the world, only to major league baseball, which wins because it plays 162 games. So, I mean, Germany more than any country, I think it's, it's that absence is going to be noted. Yeah, I think, and it both if, if from that off-field perspective, I think Germany is like there's a there's a, like a very stark contrast there. And also, we were talking earlier about just like the on the field, like what what it's what it's going to look like in terms of the quality of soccer. Germany is probably the most up-tempo league in the world, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it, from a fitness perspective and just the match sharpness perspectives. Um, it's it's especially you know going to be difficult um, to, to kind of get back up to speed uh, for the Bundesliga more so than any other league. Right. Well, so speaking of the soccer, let's let's get into a bit of that. I'm not going to bore listeners with the entire table, but let's just go quickly through the important stuff. Bayern, as you probably assumed, are on top. They're on 55 points. Dortmund four back, 51. Leipzig 50. Borussia Mönchengladbach 49. Leverkusen 47 and fifth. Huge drop off after that. And then at the bottom, Mainz at 15th, 26, Dusseldorf 16th with 22, and then Werder Bremen at 18, and Paderborn at 16, both of those afloat. Um, I think I want to start talking about at the top, um, I don't think anybody's going to catch Bayern. Is there any hope for any of that chasing pack, do you think, to get close to these guys? I think there's hope. There's, like, it, I, I was talking about this with my brother earlier in the week, like, I think before, if not for this two month, uh, this two month break, they, I don't think, I'm not sure there would have been any hope. And I think Bayern kind of was, was rolling and would have just run away with the league. Um, but you don't really know what anything is going to look like coming out of this. Um, right. And, I mean, sport, the, the idea of momentum in sports is often a fallacy. Um, but just that rhythm that you get in when week out, week in and week out, you're destroying teams, I think is somewhat real in soccer. Yeah. And we, we, all of that obviously was paused and, and we're essentially starting from scratch with nine games to go. Um, so I do think, I think Dorman has a chance. I don't know about, I, I, I've never really been a believer in the Leipzig, this Leipzig team just because I don't think the individual talent matches up with right very much a greater than the sum of their parts sort of thing when they're working right whereas Dortmund is a great unit and also has star power um and just I mean so much attacking power in general that I think they can maybe they're gonna I mean they're gonna need Bayern to slip up and based on what was happening based on what has happened 
in the calendar year 2020, there's not much evidence to, sug- to, to suggest they will slip up very much. Um, but, like, Dortmund could beat Bayern head-to-head. I think they, right. they get him at home. Not that that really matters. Not that home and away really matters too much anymore. Um, so I, I think they're the one team that is still in with – I, I think it'll – pretty quickly develop into a two-team title race. Yeah, and if Dortmund can find a semblance of a defense, they've got a real shot. The one thing Bayern gets, though, is uh, Robert Lewandowski got injured right at the end of when we were still playing soccer. I know he was set to miss Bayern's return leg against Chelsea in the Champions League. And so, rather than having Lewandowski on the sidelines, you know, teams like Dortmund and Leipzig thinking, okay, maybe now's our chance, Lewandowski just got two months off. And so, he's fit again, which isn't ideal for everybody else, especially as he's you know, scoring goals for fun as usual. But I, I'd agree, Dortmund, with just the sheer firepower of that team, I mean, if nothing else, can they, you know, can Erling Holland score, you know, 12 more goals in nine games like he's done already and give him a shot? And who knows? I mean, I think, you know, we'll talk more about those teams in a second in terms of trying to uh, persuade people or suggest how they should uh, devote their attention if they're going to jump on the Bundesliga bandwagon while it's the only thing. Um while Bayern might not be a sure thing yet, man, looking at the other end of the table, I feel for Josh Sargent and his Werder Bremen teammates, and I feel for Paderborn, because as we come back, Dusseldorf's only three points ahead of Bremen, but from the from the bit of Bremen I've watched this season, they just scream relegation team to me, and it's, you know, looking at the bottom, it's, I, I just, even though they're only four points adrift, it really feels like those bottom two are, are, in, in a lot of trouble, especially in a league where only two teams are guaranteed to be relegated. Right. And, like, the, I think from a, a lot of people from a superficial perspective would think, oh, if Bremen's a decently sized club, they probably underperformed this year, maybe just based on the, the quality of player that they have, that they, that they, you, you, we would almost expect them to kind of get, pick themselves up, up out of the bottom two slash three. Um, but that's not what it's looked like this season at all. And I think, I mean, they and and again, like with with the caveat that we have no idea what teams look like coming out of this. Right. It's almost like it's a new season. Um, but they and Paderborn, yeah, they both have a lot of work to do. And the thing about Bremen, I mean, it's not like this is a new thing. Germany has been the nation of fallen giants in recent years. I mean, you you, you talk about you know the Berlin teams are both now in the Bundesliga, but that hasn't been the case in recent years. You've got. Kaiser Slaughton, who's all the way down, fighting relegation to the fourth tier. Nuremberg are gone. Hamburg are gone. Wolfsburg have flirted with relegation. So this is a real thing, especially you know, only 18 teams. So this isn't England where there's 20 and you've got a little bit more room for air. A season like Bremen are having can be can be really costly. So I don't think, you know, we'll get to the Americans later, but there's probably not a whole lot of fun to be had with Bremen and Paderborn. But to your point, you know, we have no idea what people are going to look like coming out of this break and things could totally get flipped on their heads going forward. Um, so we talked about Dortmund. We talked about Leipzig, Gladbach, another team. Those three teams are all fun. I don't, you know, we can debate if any of them are going to catch Bayern, but they're certainly worth watching. Um, it, but, you know, to sit on Dortmund for a second, I think right now that Erling Holland and Jaden Sancho are probably the best attacking one, two punch in the world right now, at least in terms of, entertainment value. I mean, Dorman games are going to be worth t- tuning into just for that. Even if they give up five every game, the two or three they're guaranteed to score are going to be worth your time. Yeah, and frankly, they might be the two best under-21 players in the world. I Very possibly. 
because Mbappe is not under 21 anymore. Um, he was kind of dominating that category for several years. Uh, yeah, I think Trent Alexander-Arnold might have a word to say about that. For I think, sure. Um, Good point. But, I mean, obviously, two, they do very different things. I mean, Trent Alexander-Arnold's maybe the best right back in the world. He's 20. So, I mean, that's that's a whole different conversation. But, absolutely, I mean, right. these are guys who could who probably will both command, you know, nine-figure transfer fees in the next three years, which is yes. just crazy to think about in a world where there's only been two or three of those but yes. and, and yeah. the fun the fun part is as you kind of mentioned like yeah they're both they're both similar age and also they, they complement each other almost perfectly right um at least from what we've seen early in sancho as a creator and holland as a goal scorer like it really is just a remarkable one two teenage slash almost teenage punch right also and then quickly you know outside of those teams i mean if people are just looking for fun, Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig are like the obvious contenders for that. And you ever had any any dark horse team for someone you feel like, you know, you're like interested to see what they do coming out well, of this was, break? I was going to say, I think Leverkusen is in that category too. Right. Um, I think, I, and they play, they, in a similar vein to Dortmund kind of. They yeah, they're a bit Dortmund really, light. Yeah, they play really entertaining soccer um, and have some, have some, like, their, their young players certainly aren't as big names as as Holland or Sancho, um, and obviously, they, and they don't have the you know the veterans like Marco Royce or Mario Götze either. Um, but they they have a ton they have a ton of fun attacking Absolutely. players and also play that just n- you know n- no holding back uh, style that kind of makes the Bundesliga what it is. Um, and they're yeah, I mean they're only two points behind Gladbach. I think they're and I believe they were playing pretty well before the break so i think i mean it, it's really we said it's a two-team title race it's also kind of like a i mean we're pretty certain that Bayern's going to finish in the in the top four but it's also like a four-team race for three spots right um, in next year's champions league which may or may not happen who knows but like it, it, the top four still means something and you know those like so 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 that that race will be interesting as well Right, and I mean, especially, you know, coming out of these two a break like this, you think about how that's going to affect different types of players. Dwelling on Leverkusen for a second, if I'm a defender, I don't want to see Leon Bailey sprinting past me this weekend. Like, the idea that a guy with that kind of just natural pace might be going up against you. If you're whoever, I don't know who plays right back for Werder Bremen, but they're going to have their hands full this this weekend because, you know, if you haven't seen full-speed action in a couple months and a guy who when he's running at full speed, it looks like he could be an Olympic sprinter is coming at you. That's a lot to deal with. And you, they've got Kai Havertz as well, who looks to be the heir to Thomas Muller potentially in the German national team. So absolutely, Leipzig's got a lot of exciting quality. You mentioned Gladbach, though. In a piece you wrote recently uh, as kind of a primer for the Bundesliga coming back, you mentioned that you had picked Borussia Mönchengladbach for your brother. Uh I guess I just wanted would love to hear you uh, explain the logic behind that recommendation. Yeah, so he was basically looking for a, a, a European team to root for. Um, the only qualification was he didn't want one of the Premier League's big six. Um, so I wanted to basically the logic was this is a team that at the time that I picked them for him. I mean, they, I think they were maybe two points off the top of the Bundesliga. Um, now they're a, a bit more, but still kind of in the tighter race. So the idea was like. Look, this is a team that you can you can hop on the bandwagon immediately and root for a, root for a, like they're they are in a title race. 
they're also not like a massive club that's going to be in a title race every year. And they have the resources and the opportunity to challenge at the top of the Bundesliga. There's also no guarantee of that. Um, heck, there's a chance that they could get relegated in five years. Uh, but it's kind of this club that has an organic connection with with this with the city and the community and with its fans. Um, it's kind of been built from a soccer perspective pretty organically too, um, and really smartly. Um, they play they play interesting soccer, um, both interesting and exciting soccer, um, and kind of crazy soccer at at, at sometimes. Um, so I, I thought it was just the perfect combination of kind of kind of all of those all of those factors, and also like you, you don't have to it's it's not like a popular bandwagon to hop on right um, it's more like a niche thing um, that that you can that you can really latch onto and enjoy. And they're also doing one of my favorite things I've seen in soccer recently from a fan perspective is right now you can go online and pay twenty euros and they will put a cardboard cutout of you in a seat in the stadium, which is going to look incredibly weird on TV when they're home next week. But it's still a great idea to just do something to, I guess, kind of liven the mood a bit. So if, you know, if you'd like to have a life-size cardboard cutout of you somewhere in Germany, consider becoming a, uh, a Gladbach supporter because it's got that perk going for you. Yeah, and it's also important to note that this isn't people just like, Wait, like the money is like going to support good causes. Right, right. Area. This is not a moneymaker. No, exactly. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, no. I, I'm actually, I actually am interested to see what that looks like. I know, look, there, there are various conversations in. I think it, in maybe it was Fox this week in in U.S. sports said that like for NFL games they were thinking about pumping crowd noise in. Right. Um, and other teams have done this, like the the visual part, like putting you know cut cutouts of plastic cutouts of fans in the stands too. I, I, I'll say this: I'm more on board with the plastic cutout thing than the pumping crowd noise. In. I think pumping crowd noise would be incredibly weird and artificial. Whereas this is more just like a cool, cool gesture um, to. Oh, it's only it's just a reminder that that fans are the fans are part of the game. We talked about earlier the Bundesliga's super fast pace, got some incredible young talent. But in in terms of a selling point. To an audience, especially an American audience who might not be super familiar with it, I think the number of American players, especially young up-and-coming American players in this league, is really phenomenal and is a better excuse maybe, I think, than anything to get people interested. Um, Just to touch on a couple, I mean, one to watch. We talked about how Dortmund are going to make a push here. Uh, Gio Reyna, son of former U.S. Men's National Team captain Claudio Reyna, has a really good chance to be a big part of Dortmund's push because right now Marco Royce is injured in a position that Reyna often plays a little bit deeper line than he normally plays in the midfield. You've got guys like Axel Witzel and Emre Chan who are potentially out for a few weeks and you know we don't know how that's going to you know mess up in terms of their game plan and who plays where. So Gio Reyna's American teenager scored a ridiculous goal in the DFB Pokal, the German Cup, not long before things took a pause. And this next period of time, this weird coronavirus Bundesliga could be a huge opportunity for Gio Reyna to really put his stamp on the beginning of his professional career and on his place at Dortmund. Yeah, I don't think it's outlandish to say that, like, if he came four years before Christian Pulisic rather than four years after Christian Pulisic, like, he would be getting the same amount of hype that 
Pulisic did when Pulisic was first rising through the ranks at Dortmund as sort of this first big European-based American prospect in, right. in, in a long time. Uh, like he's, he, I mean, he's he's basically on the same trajectory in terms of the the age at which he's coming through. And I mean, I think he, he he's broken some of like. Pulisic's, you know, youngest two or first two records mm-hmm. um, at Dortmund. So yeah, he and he's also somebody. You know, I, th- I think a lot of U.S. men's national team fans have seen Tyler Adams play a fair amount by this at this point. They've seen Weston McKennie play a fair amount, and those two guys are probably better than Reyna at this point, um, and cert- certainly more reliable contributors for the clubs. Um, but I think a lot of people will and should be excited to watch Reyna. Absolutely. I mean, and again, I mean, we've seen him develop a nice connection with Erling Holland. He's assisted a couple of his goals already. So there's potentially something brewing there with that combo. I mean, Sancho's likely gone this summer. But, you know, if you could, if Gio Reyna and Erling Holland could develop a connection, that would be awesome to watch. You mentioned Adams and McKenney, consistent contributors for Leipzig and Schalke, respectively. But again, to your point, if you've watched any U.S. men's national team in the last couple of years, you're pretty familiar with those guys. Tyler Adams, a guy who's probably benefiting from this break because he's just had an awful time with injuries over the last year. I mean, he missed the first half plus of the season and then had gone down injured a couple weeks before the stoppage. So hopefully we're able to see more of him. Um, Just noting a couple other guys, John Brooks has actually found himself being a more permanent part of Wolfsburg's back four, at least right before the break. So hopefully he gets more playing time. Uh, U.S. Men's National Team goalkeeper Zach Steffen has, like Adams, had an awful injury campaign. I still don't think he's healthy. He's got some weird knee tendonitis thing that just will not go away. Um, it was, I guess kind of to, to briefly pause there, where do, you, where do you view Zach Steffen's career right now? Because I know I'm really conflicted about what I think is best for him right now. And, you know, how I feel this last year has altered his stock. If I'm being honest, I'm a little bit nervous about him, given the events of the last eight or nine months. Yeah, I mean, firstly, I just I feel bad for him with with the injuries um, because I mean, this he 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 is Dusseldorf's clear number one and has been the season went went healthy. Um, it was going better than his last stint in Germany, I think, when he he went over there as a as a really young kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I mean, I think he's pretty clearly the best. U.S. goalkeeper, American goalkeeper, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, he's kind of. I don't. I don't exactly know where his career is going in Europe. And I think like, like mid-table Bundesliga every week starting goalkeeper is probably his level right now. Yeah, that um, feels right. And I think like if 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 the next two years of Zach Steffen's career go reasonably well. I think like a fair expectation is for him to kind of get over these, get get over the constant injuries, um, and just be, become that. And, and maybe it's at a level slightly above Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf obviously not having a very good season, um, but I think like that's what we should be hoping for for, for Zach Steffen. Not that he goes back to Man City and becomes their number two. Um, like I, I don't right. think I'm not sure that's that helpful. Um, and not that he goes to Man City and they try to loan him elsewhere in England. Um, like I, I think the Bundesliga makes makes sense for him mm-hmm. um, and is, is a great place for him to just continue to improve. Right, because from Man City's perspective, clearly the goal there was 
bring this guy in at a bargain price coming out of MLS, loan him to the Bundesliga for a couple of years, and sell him for what would probably be a significant profit, because Ederson, if all goes well, Ederson's not giving up the number one position, not so much shirt, but number one position at Man City, for the next decade if City have their way. So there's, you know, it's not like they picked up Zach Steffen envisioning him as a future Man City number one. Uh, the other guy I think that's worth talking about briefly is Josh Sargent at Werder Bremen. There's a part of me, you know, I don't, I never want to say I'm rooting for a team to get relegated. Given the situation Josh Sargent has found himself in, I, I think I've convinced myself that Werder getting relegated would potentially be a good thing for Josh Sargent. Am I, am I crazy for thinking that? Interesting. What's the reasoning there? So he's found himself behind also, I mean, he already wasn't starting. And then Werder brought in Claudio Pizarro, who's 40 something years old in January who was then getting minutes ahead of him. So, I mean, as from a U.S. men's national team fan perspective, what I want for Josh Sargent is just a ton of minutes. And, you know, maybe right now the best way to do that is as one of the top couple teams in, you know, in the two Bundesliga. Obviously, the risk there is that you end up with a Bobby Wood situation in which, you know, obviously I don't want to compare the two. I think Josh Sargent's ceiling is much higher than Bobby Wood's, but... You know, a few years ago, Bobby Wood went down with Hamburg, and it's like, okay, he's had these bouncing around loan spells. Maybe he'll refine his form there, and that never happened, and he hasn't been seen in a national team since. And so, on the one hand, I'm like, okay, Josh starting week in and week out, maybe piling up some goals could be good for him. But but on the other hand, I don't I don't want dropping him a level to have some ill effect on his career because I guess the question then is. If Werder get relegated, what is Josh Sargent, you know, what is what's best for Josh Sargent? Do we hope he gets loaned out to a team that's going to be fighting relegation again in the Bundesliga who maybe just got promoted? Or I, I guess I'd, I'd like your perspective as someone whose opinion on uh, national team matters I really appreciate. What, Where do you think Josh Sargent is right now and, you know, especially if Bremen go down? Yeah, I think you, you laid it out really well. Like, on, on one hand... It would be helpful for him to, at this age, how old is he, 20, 21? I'll look it up right now. I think he's, yeah, he's not older than 21. I want to say he's 20. Um, He, at this, like, yes, playing every week is probably the most important thing for him, no matter what level it's at. On the other hand, like, I do think there is something to, there's like a psychological downside of going from being this big American prospect going over to to Germany at 18 to a first division club pretty soon getting, getting into the first team. Um, And then all of a sudden a year or two later, you're in the, there's not really hype around you anymore. You're in the second division and you're not, and like, frankly, not many people are watching your games at all. Right. Um, I, I I think there is something to, be said for the kind of the psychological dip there um and, and some players would be affected by that other players wouldn't be and I don't, I don't really have a sense of where where sergeant would fit on that continuum um but it's 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 something you have to you, you have to be slightly concerned about if you're a, if you're an american fan obviously the best scenario is you know not to you know say anything bad about teams like Dusseldorf or Mainz, but from Josh Sargent's perspective, obviously the best thing that could happen is Furter somehow wake up, get themselves out of this mess they're in, and stay in the Bundesliga next season, and Josh Sargent stays with them. Um, Two other quick Americans to note on, Timmy Chandler, who's kind of a rotation guy at Frankfurt, has scored 
some uncharacteristically great goals this season, particularly coming off the bench, so he's still around. Fabian Johnson basically doesn't play for Gladbach anymore, but he is still there if you're in for another uh, Jurgen Klinsmann-era blast for the past. Uh, and then an honorable mention, he's not American, but he played in MLS, so we're going to lump him in here anyway. Um, Alfonso Davies is suddenly one of the best left backs in the world, and I didn't see that coming at all. Yeah, and he's, it, you could argue that he would be considered one of the best young left wingers in the world if he had right. never been switched to left back. Um, but yeah, in a weird way, it's it's worked out well for him, and he's I I, I love watching him play. He's, it's, it's amazing. Remarkable. It's partially why I want to claim him as American for playing in MLS because it's like you know, man, feel like we deserve some sort of credit for that guy. So. Right. <laughs> So, no, he's amazing, and, you know, the way he defends really well and then just books it up the left sideline on overlapping runs is incredible. I mean, he is on the verge of, you know, seriously becoming thought of as one of the world's elite young talents. And so, if you're just looking for an exciting player to watch, regardless of where they come from, I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better watch right now than Alfonso Davies at Bayern Munich. Not that I'm endorsing... Becoming a Bayern Munich fan because that's feels like the ultimate bandwagon bandwagoning. I mean, it's um, I mean, we don't even have an American sports comparison for a team that's won eight straight championships. Right. I mean, the closest equivalent is probably the Patriots. I guess. Right. I think that'd probably be the best I could do, and it's got reputation wise, it's kind of Yankees ish. But I mean, hey, it's it's you know, we've all been deprived of sports for so long that whatever fills the void for you, I'm not going to hold it against anyone. Um. So I guess kind of, I want to get your take kind of in general for people who are coming into this totally blind, who, you know, maybe they've, you know, maybe they watch the national team. Maybe they catch some Premier League because it's so easy to watch the Premier League in the U.S. What would, what would, you know, a piece of advice be or like, what would, what would you share with people coming into this totally blind who are going to be new to this? Not only new to the, the weirdness of this whole scenario, but to this league in general. Yeah, I mean, one of the questions I often get is like, should I pick a team to root for? Should I just blindly pick a team? And what what I would say is, do something in between blindly picking a team and going in without a team at all. Like, t- take what you've just listened to us talk about and have some teams in mind that you that you might consider uh, rooting for. Like for me, I, I would recommend you choose. You know, like think about Dortmund, think about Mission Gladbach. Maybe even Leverkusen as well, um, and then just you know, watch, turn the TV on and Saturday, Saturday morning and and Sunday morning and and watch um, and kind of see like with the knowledge of those who those teams are and kind of what they represent in mind. Just just try to enjoy it and, and see if you latch on to a, a specific team, and if you don't, that's completely fine. Um, there should be there should be like something genuine and organic about the connection you feel with them and it, and it should happen rather than you trying to force it to happen um but yeah just just try to enjoy the soccer um and, and kind of see where the experience takes you yeah and i'd add to that you know beyond you know picking specific teams a lesson that it took me i guess kind of forced into with you know becoming more um, you know in especially from a soccer perspective putting on more of the, a media hat than a fan hat is Becoming a fan of particular players, I mean, we've talked about a few guys, but guys like Alfonso Davies or Jaden Sancho or Kai Havertz, I mean, there are there are these guys, especially in the Bundesliga, 
This league is loaded with guys you may or may not have heard of, but who are under 25 years old and within the next five years are going to be those guys getting the, you know, the 88 or 90 rated cards on FIFA that are going to be household names, even in not super crazed soccer supporters. So there are, there's so much talent, especially young talent in this league that to your point, if you take the time to, you know, pick out a few teams that sound interesting and then watch some of their games, just pay attention to how incredible some of the individuals on these teams are. Cause you know, if you're a premier league fan, you're going to see a bunch of these guys in the premier league soon. Or if you're a Barcelona or Real Madrid person, you're going to be seeing some of these guys on those teams within a few years. So this is, this league is such a way I think to get some insight on where, you know, where the game globally is headed, especially in Europe, because it's so many guys come out of the Bundesliga and maybe now more than ever, there seem to be just this pack of, of really talented young players who, you know, have much have really big things ahead yeah and it is like fun to be able to say that like you were in on this you know player x before he got big right to kind of know about him yeah so real quick i want to run through just so everyone knows if you haven't seen this anywhere while uh, what the slate is this weekend as i mentioned it it's not anything weird it looks like a pretty normal weekend slate um all these times are going to be chicago time so central u.s uh, Saturday morning at 8.30, you've got the Reaver Derby, Dortmund against Schalke. That's on FS1. Augsburg against Wolfsburg. Fortuna Dusseldorf play Paderborn. RB Leipzig, Leipzig versus Freiburg is on FS2 if you decide to root for the Red Bull corporate overlords. And also Hoffenheim take on Hertha Berlin. Uh, later that day, you got Frankfurt against Gladbach on FS1 at 11.30. Sunday, doubleheader, Fox Sports 1, Cologne versus Mainz, and then Union Berlin versus Bayern Munich. Still love that Union Berlin have a manual scoreboard. So if, you know, if I am not a Chicago Cubs fan, but if you've got a soft place in your heart for uh, 21st century manual scoreboards, then Union Berlin might be the team for you. And then finally, Monday afternoon on Fox Sports 2, you've got Josh Sargent and Werder Bremen against Kai Havertz and Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, Henry, I know Fox doesn't always make it the easiest to watch some of these games, but I'm going to try to watch every single one that is being broadcast on a TV channel that I get. How about you? What's your, uh, what's your plan for the weekend? Yeah, I'm, I will, I will certainly have them on TV. Um, and Dortmund Schalke is obviously, obviously the headliner. I right. make a point to watch that. Um, I'll watch Munchen Gladbach. Um, and I'll, yeah, I'll probably watch Bayern on Sunday as well. Um, Maybe not. Yeah, maybe maybe I won't watch every every single game possible. Um, but as much as as much as I as much as I reasonably can, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then a quick apologies for this for this next uh, thirty seconds being very one sided. But I have to put a plug in here. Uh, I'm going to be starting doing a thing on an app called Hot Mike H O T H O T M I C where. You know, if you use the app, you can sync it up to your TV and listen to somebody else, whoever you want on the app, broadcast a specific sporting event. I'm going to be on there 8.30 on Saturday morning, Chicago time for Dortmund against Schalke on FS1. So you can turn the game on FS1 and listen to me commentate it if you choose. This is nothing against the Bundesliga comment. Uh, Bundesliga commentators, Keith Costigan and everybody else who do the international broadcasts out of the UK do a great job. So no offense if not, but this is the first of these I'm going to be doing. Going to hope to do one Bundesliga game a week. So stay tuned to that. If you follow me on the app, you can get updates about when those next games are coming. Uh, As for the pod itself, uh, I'll be back next Tuesday with Drake Hills, longtime friend of the show, former co-founder of version 1.1 excuse me, version 1.0 of this, and we're going to go over everything that happened 
on the weekend, and I'm sure he will try to convince you all why why you should root for Bayern Munich anyway. But that's going to be it for today. Henry, thanks so much for coming on SoccerCast Chicago. I feel bad that it took this long to get you on the show. And, and, you know, given that this might be all we have to watch for a while, uh, hopefully we can have you back around sometime once we know what this looks like a few weeks from now. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on, Alex. This was uh, fun, and yeah, let's do it again some other time. Absolutely. Thanks so much.